Greetings Scrapper fans and welcome to the latest instalment of Rerun the Rivalry. The little one month special that's had to have a little extra month attached to it in its release schedule. Where myself, your Let Me Tell You Something co-host Lorcan Mullen and your other Let Me Tell You Something co-host Simon Cross discuss all the singles matches between two men or ladies depending on where we go in the future that have had at least a few matches of great renown and a rivalry that has lasted through the ages. We've gone with the maybe with the highest rated rivalry on cage match I just found out the other day with an average rating of 9.91. So it's all downhill from here, guys. It's Okada and Tanahashi. And where are we this time, Simon? We are at destruction at Co- of Kobe, or at Kobe, or in Kobe. I always forget the connective word in the title of this event. The key thing is, Kobe's getting destroyed in some sense. Yeah, or it's witness to a destruction, yes. There's Kobe, there's something else going on. And it's a match for the Tokyo Dome Wrestle Kingdom title opportunity. It's a number one contenders match, effectively, for the G1 winner's contract between the defendant, or the defender, I should say, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and um, Kazuchika Okada, still in Kokada mode. Yes, but it's, it's, it's almost like it's a gradual working your way through the you know, it's it's like this hangover has been going on for a while, but now he's sort of able to see lights and not mm. immediately shun itself. Because the Okada that comes out for this one, there are, there are no balloons anymore. The red hair is still there. The red is still there in general. But there is now a Rainmaker jacket with the red. He's wearing the uh, necklace again as well. Mm. So it's like he's getting there, but he's still not there yet. Maybe it's because for him so far, this is the most important match he's had during this period. You notice the red hair isn't as well dyed. There's like bits of blonde poking through. Symbolism through hair. Something you don't need to worry about anymore, Simon. (laughs) (laughs) That's symbolic of something else. Oh, God. Ow, that was a one-two combo. I can never tell with the grey if it's getting more... Because like I went, I started going grey at the temples when I was in my early thirties, mm. and it's still there because I started to have shorter haircuts. Then it's more prominent. But usually my hair is quite long. My friends always used to joke that it's basically a Doctor Strange situation as to where the grey is. Yeah, to go in with the hair. But, you know, there's worse Marvel superheroes to model your hair on. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of who would be worse. Drax. Yeah, Drax is uh, is probably not what you want. Or Mordok, if you... Yeah. Or Modok, sorry. I can't remember what it was. Quantumania is not a very good film. Anyway, but what is very good is this match. <laughs> yes. The, one, the, the term I would use to describe this match would be grueling. Mm. And not in a negative connotation. I think this is the match where you feel like both men are maybe in the most pain they've ever been in. Yeah, like uh, the characters they're conveying. I don't know if the wrestlers themselves are in more pain than they've ever been in at the end of one of their matches, but this is really about getting through the physical torture, and it's also a genuinely I'm kind of slack jawed in amazement that we're 13 matches into this series, and there's still dynamics and ways of doing it that are different 
because this time it reminds me of one of my favorite matches, which apparently not very highly thought of match, but I remember watching it loads when I had my Kijimuto 2001 videotapes. It was his G1 match final against Yuji Nagata, mm. where both men just beat the shit out of each other's knees. Oh. And that's what happens in this one, is that first of all, Tanahashi yet again does go back to the knees fairly early on in the match, and yet again he finds a new way to instigate the attack. This yeah. time by pulling Okada to the ring apron area whilst Tanahashi's standing on the outside and dropping his leg onto the sort of the ring floor. Yeah. Because there's like a gap on, you know, where the, the arena floor is. But then Tanahashi goes for a Pescado and that screws his knee up. And Okada really, again, with Okada, it's always been a sort of like an instinctual thing rather than a thought out strategy thing. And so he just, he knows that there's an opportunity. And so for the first time we see Okada do, well, to be fair, he used to do a lot of neck work. We haven't seen that in recent matches. Yeah. But this one, it's Okada going for the leg. And whilst Okada, and it's funny because when Okada attacks the knee, he's a lot more like vicious with it. And, and, and sort of a, there's a moment where he's just grinding his foot on his knee, sort of reminiscent of their first match in 2018, where he was just piling more and more torture onto a, onto Tanahashi and eliciting boos from a crowd more sympathetic to Tanahashi. There is a lot of shithousery mm. from Okada in this match, which, when you look at why this why this match came about, he's a very lucky boy, really. Because the story going into the match is, obviously, Tanahashi did win the G1, as we sort of alluded to in our last episode. But the whole reason this match has come about is because Tanahashi is, I don't deserve this if I can't beat Okada. I don't deserve to be at Wrestle Kingdom on the grand stage if I can't beat this guy. I've not beaten this guy for over 1,300 days. I need this off my back. He's all in. Like, he's he's pushed all of his chips into the table. Okada's contributing, in terms of, like, physical things to offer, nothing. But he's got this match. Well, I mean, you go by the rules that basically whoever wins the G1, they then have to avenge every loss they've had in in the G1 along the way. Mm. The people that have beaten them in the block stages, they'll get those wins back by defending their IWGP title shot against them before they go to Wrestle Kingdom. The previous ones like Okada... Well, maybe that one was when he was G1 winner, to be fair. But, you know, that, that is traditionally who you go against. But because Tanahashi's victory in the G1 was so comprehensive, he literally only lost one match to Jay White. It's yeah. One of the, I think it might be the most impressive G1 record anyone's had for years. Like, it's one loss, one draw. So his 15... Usually it's 14 or 12 points that gets you into the G1 mm. final. And for Tanahashi, he got to 15. So really, Okada and Jay White were the only potential challengers to him. But like you say, if Okada had been on the other block, maybe he would have still insisted that he has to face Okada. Maybe, maybe. But as you, but that's the whole thing with Tanahashi. He still to to know that he can beat Okada is, as you say, part of this whole storyline of building him up to have one last hurrah. And he, in their G one match, as we said, when the time limit was expiring, even though Tanahashi can live with a draw he was still trying to win it when the time limit expired and initial like i say that initial reaction when he got the draw wasn't exactly pleased 
he was annoyed. He, he was obviously emotion obviously passed and he realized what it meant for him but he was annoyed he didn't pin okada i do want to also say because we've been commenting on okada's hair in this match we do need to comment on what tanahashi's rocking in this one. Oh, i love it i don't know for me it's kind of a can i talk to the manager it's well i was gonna say it's kind of a stay-at-home mom how she does her hair up before a big soul cycle session <laughs> but if you're as beautiful a man as Tanahashi is, it doesn't matter. You can do what you like when you're Tanahashi, <laughs> let's face it. Like I said, this one's about both men trying to hurt each other, and that's there from the start. When Okada does the pushing him into the ropes, he doesn't do the slapping on the chest, and he doesn't he doesn't even fake him out with an elbow or anything. He just flat out elbows him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> To, an, to a big reaction of booze as well. There's a very clearly defined crowd favourite in this match, I feel. So, yeah, they're just brutalising each other pretty much from the start. And this is the second longest match they have in their series. And it does feel it. It does feel long, this one. Mm. Some of them at the time kind of zips by. And that's not necessarily a, a, a criticism to it. I do love this match still, but I don't think it... They've never matched the peak of the rivalry in these 2018 matches they've all been superb but they've not been best matches ever the awkwardness with this one is the story they're telling is he tanahashi couldn't beat okada in 30 minutes and that's one of the things that annoys him yeah so they needed to go over 30 minutes just in general but the so the table's sort of already set Going into this one, they could have flipped the script and done a shot win, but it wouldn't have matched the storyline metric at all. The storyline metric? Like, oh, storyline Tambra, like time, <laughs> would have been better. Metric's wrong there. But, I mean, they could have done it, but I don't see how they'd, made, they'd have made it made sense. Going to go epic. Not epic epicness, but there was going to be an, a level of that to this match. Well, the idea has always been that these guys push each other so hard that 30 minutes isn't enough. Mm. But it should also be noted that this is the last of their matches that goes over half an hour. All the three matches that we have left all go under 30 minutes. And <laughs> the results all go one way as well. And as I've said, this whole storyline, I think, became an even more positive storyline for Tanahashi than it was. Because you get what's wonderful about Gado's booking at this time was that he was giving narratives for each man. Like, you can see... Clearly to everyone, Omega Okada is the biggest match in New Japan at the time. Yeah. So it's utterly believable that Okada could win this match and get the IWGP title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. Because you book your biggest match for your, what you perceive as your biggest match for WrestleMania, as yeah. Sami Zayn has learnt recently. Yeah. But there's a longer story that they're telling, obviously, with Okada's fall from grace. And to me, I think what the plan always had been was for... Tanahashi to do this to to get him to Wrestle Kingdom status, but for him to fall to Omega. Mm-hmm. I think Okada, because this is also the post-match angle that reveals that Gado is now with Jay White. Don't know if you watched that. This is and this is also the one where poor old Yoshihashi Yoshihashi is it up when he get, tries to save Okada after Jay White attacks <laughs> both of them. Have you seen that? I've not, no. Do you know what I'm talking about, though? Does he, like, botch or something like that? He runs to the... He basically does a Titus O'Neil running oh, towards no. the ring. But unlike O'Neil, his head smacks into the ring, sort of the corner of the ring. 
So he's yeah. bleeding when he gets into the ring and he's probably maybe concussed. <laughs> oh, Christ. It's like when Titus tripped. Thankfully, they didn't have the big LED boards there. Otherwise, he'd have been in a world of trouble. <laughs> It would have been like when Mick Foley fell from the stage at Royal Rumble 99. Sparks flying everywhere! Yeah, yeah. But sparks rarely fly when Yoshihashi's around. I was thinking more than when Kurt Angle bellied belly Shane into that pane of glass the first time oh, round. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, and so I think what they would have had at that point is that, because Okada does, after this at Wrestle Kingdom, he does go back to full Rainmaker mode, complete with his short shorts. <laughs> is this the one where Dave Meltzer yeah, uh, yeah. that was yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh we love you Dave so, do you want to explain it to people who don't know what we might be referring so, to so there's a famous scene where a lot of English people are watching a England football game in a pub and a goal goes in and as is tradition in an English pub you throw your pint into the well, air this is a very new tradition it seems to me yeah but Tradition nonetheless. And someone had took the projector and through, through the magical medium of Photoshop changed it. So rather than a football game, they were watching Okada take off his uh, long trousers to reveal his like trunks. And Dave tweeted it, believing it was real. I think they've used that format for many things since then. Oh, yeah. I've never liked that whole throwing beer up in the air because I think it's rude. And I think it's done for the videos to be seen on the telly. I hate it when there are fans and the cameras by them and in the stand and they score a goal and they just turn their faces to the camera and it's like that's not real celebrating. It's not organic, you know. I know, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. And maybe the beers not organic either, you know, one way or the other. It doesn't make it all right. And I would just be furious to have beer all over my person because someone else mm. wanted to be on the telly. It's how it is these days, unfortunately. Yep, that is how it is. But do you think there's guys who are like deliberately holding a half pint all the time in the hopes that they get to throw it up? It's the people who have just bought the round I feel sorry for. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. fuck it. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. yeah. So it's funny seeing Okada going to the knee in this match and how his methods are different. He uh, invents a special little submission hold at one point that I don't know fully quite what the logic of it was. It was sort of like the setup for a Texas Cloverleaf, but he sits back on it. And so yeah. I think it's that he's pushing up on the knee and the ankle with his arms whilst they're sitting. So they're very close to each other. It's quite an intimate move. It's sort of a, bit like, like... A, bit like, a bit like the figure four mixed with the Indian, like the seated Indian deathlock move that Owen did to Brett. And... It's like a touch of knee bar to it, like yeah. MMA style knee bar. Do you reckon he went like he was doing it and then he realised, oh, if I do this, I'm doing his cloverleaf, so I've got to do something different. Well, it worked perfectly fine with the idea of him just doing Being someone else's move to yeah. them. It's more than plausible. I mean, to be fair, Tanahashi did try and Rainmaker him later on, so it was fair cop. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tanahashi's been messing about with his Rainmaker for ages. But um, Okada seems slower in his movements, I thought, in this match than before. And again, I wonder if it's because he's playing a more methodical heel character. Yeah, he does like a weird back-style kip-up style thing at one point, doesn't he? Sort of like... He's pandering to the crowd, but to, to garner their booze, it's it's weird. He's gone from the, oh, I need to be validated. I need the crowd to love me because I'm not the thing that the crowd love me for anymore. To now, like, I'm just going to get a response being me. Yeah. And Okada does do some Tanahashi moves, especially when he's working on the knee. He does a drop kick to Tanahashi's knee to start off his attack. 
Yeah. Oh, how the turntables. <laughs> it's a beast of a dropkick. He adds a shotgun element to it. It's not just like your standard dropkick to the knee. He basically wants to rip it off of his body. But, yeah, again, but whilst Okada's just sort of blunt force, uh, Tanahashi, there's still always thought, and I like how when they're both going for each other's knee at one point towards the start, it's Tanahashi that finds the opening more by playing about with it. Like, Okada just flat out just goes to try and kick his leg when he can. But Tanahashi catches Okada's foot, and then, as is Tanahashi's way, he's always like, don't do the thing that they expect me to do. So he doesn't drag and scream, he drop kicks the standing knee. Yeah. Which was something I think he introduced in their first Wrestle Kingdom match. It was like a fake out then, wasn't it? Because it was a big moment then. Yeah, because like Okada can have a dodge ready for one move. But he knows there are multiple ways that Tanahashi can go at this point. Yeah. So, which one am I going to counter? And it's not the right one to counter. It's like guessing for a penalty, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Do you remember in the previous episodes we were also talking about old man Tanahashi's movements in the ring? Yeah. Well, I mean, this one, it's definitely selling. <laughs> he knows he's... <laughs> He's like a he's like a marionette puppet the way that he wobbles. Do you mean when he sort of gets whipped into the corner and yeah. does it in like five stages? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was laying on a little bit there. But, but that's the point, you know. That, yeah, that's that's definitely he's deliberately accentuating his frailness in this match because that is the story of the match, in all seriousness. When he's collapsing to the mat, it's through exhaustion. It's not Jay White's you know, shithousery. Yeah, playing dead like a toddler. <laughs> yeah, like a kid in Debenhams. Yeah. Like wanting to go to the Disney shop. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> Some flashbacks there. Simon. Some repressed memories. Oh, this is boring! <laughs> oh, to be fair, I do, do still find Debenhams boring, but that's by the by. Mm. I mean, there's a really long section where Okada's going for his, like, Emerald Flosion onto the knee thing. Where for ages it's Tanahashi trying to deadweight him out of it. And then they do a series of blocks and ducks. It goes on for like a good 30 seconds. Like how well these two know each other now. And it ends with Tanahashi hitting a low drop kick. But then when he tries to do a run to the corner, Okada just catches him and gets to hit the move anyway. So it's like, <laughs> it's just... oh, this was for nothing. <laughs> All that effort. Yeah. And you've achieved nout. <laughs> oh, another one where, I mean, Tanahashi again, just playing up the ultimate sympathetic baby face in this match is when Okada goes for his trademark dropkick in the corner, which was the the first big move that he surprised Tanahashi with on his return. Which yeah. results in his shit kicking on the outside. In this instance, though, Tanahashi is able to block it, but instead of Okada changing what he does, he goes and hits Tanahashi's knee with the drop kick, and then and Tanahashi tries to skin the cat to stay back in the ring, but gets caught himself trying to do it, which makes it worse for him because yeah. his knee is where all the weight has gone on to, and so Okada just like, oh, you try and be a smart ass, well, I'll just elbow you in the knee now repeatedly. And the ref has to back him away and get the young lions to help. Like, that's how much trouble Tanahashi's in. Yeah. They sort of, like, lift him into the ring. And he's, like, he's not helping them a lot because he seems, like, knackered with with what's just happened to him. So, you know that bit in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man's? Spider-Man 2, where they, like, carry him through the um, through the subway car after Doc Ock's battered him for a bit. And they're like, carefully now, he's a hero. 
It, it, it gave me that impression. Then Okada does, I mean, you know, how many times have I compared him to Ric Flair? Well, he literally does the Ric Flair knee breaker and figure four leg lock. <laughs> I mean, he's wearing red. Mm. Oh, yeah, and he isn't going to win. So, and that what they work that figure four, like classic 80s Flair style. They're sitting in that for ages and Tanashi tries to turn it and he can't. He tries to lift the foot up. Does it spend a long time with that and eventually ta- Oka- to release the pressure, but Okada's able to press it down. Then eventually rolls over, then mm. Okada rolls through, but luckily yeah. for Tanahashi, that's into the rope. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not escape, mm. it's endurance, it's mm. survival. Mm. And again, they go to the outside and Okada keeps the attack on the knee, but then Tanahashi hits him. With his tombstone on the outside, so it's Tanahashi hitting an Okada move and a significant Okada move as well in their run. Should have gone for the Cloverleaf, Okada. Sod it. If he's going to do that. <laughs> but what's fascinating again is that he doesn't go for the count out. He does go for his high fly flow. And even though the lower impact move, Pescado, was what screwed his knee up, he went for it again because uh, Tanahashi knows, like... I've got to hit him with everything. But he just fucks his own knee up in the process. The commentators, I can't remember word perfectly what they say or which one of them says it. But the disbelief of like, oh, he's going to... Like, it's disbelief in a way, but it's not disbelief. It's He understands that Tanahashi is going to do everything to win. But he's like, look at him. He's out on his feet. What are you doing? Yeah, well, Kevin Kelly says he wants to beat Okada in the middle, something yeah. he hasn't done for four years. That is... As you yeah. say, the pivotal part of this storyline. And the tone that it's delivered in is those two emotions side by side. It, it's understanding that a man's got to do what a man's got to do. But like, also, what are you doing? <laughs> also, in the again, because this has been like a self-contained trilogy, I think in the first one at least, yeah, in the first one, when Tanahashi tries to do his trademark jumping over the ropes to get to the top for the high-fly flow... The times he tries to do it in this end portion of the match, each one he's barely, yeah. barely getting over. Whereas in the first one, I was wondering, did he slightly screw that up or was that supposed to play up that he is getting on and these sort of matches are taking it out of him and he's not the same Tanahashi anymore? With this one, he is barely... He's like having to stop, compose himself, then leap over the ropes, whereas the whole reason that he does it that way was meant that it's one fluid motion and it's the quickest way for him to get there. It's almost like watching a middle-aged man take his son out on a country walk and have to navigate over one of those styles. He really braces himself at each individual stage. Look, you're right. Before, during, because he doesn't spring over, he sort of like vaults over and he deliberately lands and then has to take a second before going, right, the next bit's up again. Yeah, me and some friends went on a walk once in the lovely uh, valley of American listeners. This place actually is real, Cockermouth. And have you been there? Uh, Lake District one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there has been some flooding. Sometimes Cockermouth can't deal with um, a certain amount of fluid accumulating. But we did that. We walked for like two days. And... What's so funny is that once the walk was over, once we got back to the car that we parked two days earlier, our bodies were just shutting down straight away afterwards and all the pain accumulated. It's like the first time I did the full month of the Edinburgh Fringe. And it's like all of my my immune system just suddenly like during the drive home was like, okay, we're going on our holiday. <laughs> 
I was so ill when I left the car compared to how I was when I got in the car. But with this one, we were just in so much pain when we then drove to a nearby pub to get a Sunday roast. And we all, at one point or another, had to go to the gents. And all of us were, like, you're just aching everywhere suddenly. Mm. And all of us, to get to the gents, you had to go up, like, one step. (laughs) And we all had to, like, compose ourselves when we saw that, knowing what we were about to endure. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of how Tanahashi is selling him, having to ascend the ropes for his attempts at a high fly flow. Ah, uh, I've been there. I've been there. Mine was uh, quite recently when I came back from Prague for a stag do. I remember getting home and my body waking up the next day, and it's like all the tiredness that I had to like will myself to put on the back burner smashed through my brain like a tsunami, and it's like you're not doing anything for the next two to three days of any significant note (laughs) but yeah this whole end sequence it feels like every moment is a plausible end almost and for the most part it is okada still the more powerful of the two like he wins the big forearm exchange that they have but tanahashi again this whole thing is that he's got this physical mental resilience that maybe okada's having to learn during this again he's learning another lesson Mm. having been in the ace position and been unquestioned, now he's questioning himself, hence his Kokada binge. <laughs> and this is another one of those tests to get him back to where he is to be ready to win the title again. Yeah. But Tanahashi, it's like this is his he's seeing an opening and he can do it and he has to defend New Japan because as they play up later on, like the philosophical differences that he and Omega have are in greatly differed to one another and that's what their whole Wrestle Kingdom match is based around and so I love that it is just a it's a constant battle of wills of being able to go through it to the end who can last the longest who can go through to the end as is often symbolized by who can hit that big move then fighting over the final big moves oftentimes it's a move on the apron but this time it's up on the top rope because Okada and Tanahashi are fighting on that corner for ages. Yeah. And when when Tanahashi hits the high fly flow at one point, Okada gets his knees up but because Okada's knees are hurt, he's not able to get and pin him. And then when Tanahashi hits it the first time, his knees are so fucked that he can't stay in position to pin him. Yeah. <laughs> like, in theory, the high fly flow, you land in the pinning position, but he can't deal. He still can't even hold that. That jolt goes through him and he's like, ah, oh, balls, I'm here now. Mm. And references to previous matches where they've won it against the other one, like when Tanashi goes for one high fly flow crossbody and Okada hits him with a drop kick, which is how he, his finishing sequence started at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I think they do the bit where he's running and, and Okada grabs him by the tights and Tanahashi has to fight off again, but that was how he won the first of the matches in 2018. Yeah. And then it's pretty awesome, the finishing sequence. Because Okada tries to kill him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Okada goes for his tombstone and he hurts his knees again. and So he can't finish him off that way. He never gets to hit him with the, with the full Rainmaker, does he? He hits a discus Rainmaker. Yeah. But he never gets the full Rainmaker. He doesn't rip, he never rip cords, no. Yeah, but because Tanahashi keeps trying to climb to the top rope, 
Okada's like, fine, if we go into the top rope, then I'm going to tombstone you off this thing. (laughs) (laughs) The crowd reaction is like, oh, shit, we might see a man die. (laughs) But it's such a perfect payoff to it, though, because when Tanahashi is finally fighting off and Okada's holding himself up on the ropes and Tanahashi's just like, wait a minute. (laughs) So he does essentially a high-fly flow crossbody splash to Okada on the second rope. It's kind of like those... Um, do you remember when Alberto Del Rio just always conveniently found that his opponent had pulled himself up when he could do a, yeah. from a tree of woe position? And so he could do a... T- this is what it is, a high fly woe. Yeah. <laughs> fly tree of woe. Sasha did it for a while, with the, uh, the meteor and knee as yeah. well. So that's the first one. Then he goes back up and... Jumps and does he hit it to the back or is it another or is it a cross body? Uh, it's a cross body one. The second one is the cross body, and then the third one and that one he's not even able to climb over. He just rolls to the outside because he knows like I I need to hit three of these bastards for this guy yeah. to stay down, <laughs> and he does. <laughs> I it's, like, it's I have one more climb in me. The yeah. ropes or the turnbuckle, not both. <laughs> yeah, and. Tanahashi gets his first win in 1300 days and his last win as of time of record. Because as I say, I think the story had always been that Omega was supposed to beat Tanahashi and this was Tanahashi's last hurrah. And that Okada beat Jay White and then I think he wins the New Japan Cup. Maybe even beating Tanahashi on the way there might have been the way they book it. And Mm. then he can beat Omega at Madison Square Garden, which was their plan. But plans change. Omega leaves at Wrestle Kingdom, so they have to alter the plan slightly. So Tanahashi ultimately gets the great vindicating win. And he's done that in the past. Like, he lost a match to Shinsuke Nakamura at the... I don't know if it was called Wrestle Kingdom at the time. And then Nakamura lost the belt to Kijimuto as the invading guy from... I think he's he's either All Japan or Wrestle 1 at that point. And then Tanahashi has to do it for New Japan because Kijimuto couldn't... Sort of how Hulk Hogan had to do it for America against Sergeant Slaughter. After Sergeant Slaughter beat Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> so in many ways it's kind of a repeat of that story. That he did it for New Japan against o- Omega. And so I think that's why, even though Okada is his big return to the Rainmaker, he still lost that match to Jay White. Because they they knew they couldn't do Okada-Tanahashi at Madison Square Garden if they wanted it to be the ultimate triumphant victory for Okada. Because, decent chance, it, whilst Okada-Tanahashi would have been an awesome main event to have at Madison Square Garden, after Okada-Omega, it's probably your second best match still for an American audience. They knew for the story they wanted to tell for Okada making his final triumph and return, having gone through these periods of, you know, uh, self-inflicted plus outside-caused weakness. Like, this is a weaker Okada. Tanahashi has beaten a mentally weaker Okada in this yes. match, ultimately. Yeah. But mental fitness is one of the reasons why Tanahashi was able to stay the ace for so long. And whilst you may not have it physically well like Okada does now, maybe he still does have it mentally. Yeah. That Okada, whilst Okada was able to will himself mentally to get that win at Wrestle Kingdom, this is yet another stage of adversity that he's facing, and this is another period of redemption that was supposed to be ultimately found by him beating Omega at Madison Square Garden, but he didn't, and instead they got the second best option, which was him beating Jay White. Hence them having Jay White win their Wrestle Kingdom match, so he has to do something to overturn. So he has he has a lesson to... Not a lesson, he has a, something to avenge, basically. Yeah. And I think Jay White would have then also won both of their singles matches at that point, because he beat him in the G1, 
which triggered this heel turn and then well not even a heel turn but like official departing from chaos and as we find at the end of this show well not the end of this show to be fair it's the next big show that you realize he's part of bullet club but he and gado are you know (laughs) and now i mean who knows who is gonna get that gado stamp of approval next will there be one is a a returning yuya yuimura gonna suddenly find himself with a guy a little bearded man in his corner slapping the mat saying his name Man, I don't know. I don't know what they do. Where we he can cross that now. bridge when we get to it. Yeah. But yes, this was the last one of the great matches. I think none of the other ones I, d- I doubt are going to match that intensity and match that in- importance to the promotion. Yeah. The next two matches we'll have will be G one matches, and they're not like late end of the G one as they're booked for in the past. Our next one, actually, do you have it to hand side? Do you know which one we're doing next? I do not know. It is the opening G1 that they held in Dallas, Texas. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Mm. So, and actually two of their three matches left now are going to take place on American soil. Yeah. So that's where we're going to be. It's the G1. I think it is G1 2019, to be fair. So it's only 10 months after this one. But... This one makes clear what the pecking order's back to, really. This is full-on Rainmaker, IWGP Heavyweight Champion Okada now. Yeah. So, that's what we've got to look forward to. But until then, Simon, do you have any final thoughts about this little 2018 trilogy? And and do you have any final thoughts about Kokada? Kokada, I didn't really see him at his pomp. I didn't really see the balloons in, in this in the matches I've covered explicitly. So, I might have to do a little bit more uh, watching in my own time. Uh, in relation to that. This trilogy, it, it, like you say, the whole story that's being told is around mental resilience and what it means to have it. And I think, in that sense, they hit their target. They told that story really, really well. Yeah, I wouldn't give any of these three matches five stars, but they're still in the high fours. Yeah, yeah. And it's And there's not many guys out there that can surprise you 13 matches into their series of matches against each other. Mm. There's, yeah, there's only so much... A man can do, but this trilogy was a different tale that was being told. So that was that was fun. That was that was a fun trilogy. But anyway, if people want to get in touch with you, Simon, before we get into our final epilogue of matches, no trilogy, but there are three more of them. How can they do so? They can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of days Tanahashi spent in an ice bath after this match. <laughs> My name's Lorcan Mullen, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N, as in another bleach job, Mr. Okada. <laughs> my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterbox is there as well. If you put that gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtwisepod at gmail.com. LMTWisePod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. But there's nothing enough to say at this point, except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something, and I hope you'll stay with us as we come towards the end of our Rerun the Rivalry. <laughs> 